and welcome to Books in the Wild, the podcast about book arts and book history. I'm Carrie Schroeder. It has been quite a while since our last episode, and it's now 2020. And although I have a lot to say about the state of the world right now, I will spare everyone and instead offer some book-related stories. And if you're listening to this in the future and it's no longer 2020, don't look back. Zero stars. Do not recommend. But right now it's October, which means Halloween is upon us. So for the next few episodes, or until I get sick of Halloween, so maybe forever, I'd like to share some book-related spooky stories for your bibliophilic enjoyment. I am recording under less than ideal circumstances, and I now have two cats, so we'll see how this goes. Today's episode is about the famously haunted Willard Library in Evansville, Indiana, and a talk with the library's director, Greg Hager. Now I recommend cozying up in your favorite spot, turning off the lights, and getting ready for a good old-fashioned ghost story. Tonight, submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society, I call this story, The Grey Lady of Willard Library. Willard Library is a private donation library located in Evansville, Indiana. The library opened in 1885 after nearly a decade of various setbacks. The library's founder, Willard Carpenter, was an agent of the Underground Railroad, a staunch abolitionist and philanthropist, and was so determined to finish the building that he supervised construction himself and even brought in wheelbarrows of brick and worked alongside laborers when he was well into his 70s, much to his family's chagrin. Willard Carpenter decreed that the library was intended for the use of people of all classes, races, and sexes, free of charge forever. The library is built in a Victorian Gothic revival style, with a central tower, steeped roofs, ornamental gables, and Gothic arches, with an imposing interior and grand staircase to greet visitors at the entrance. That is to say, Willard Library is a lovely building with all of the aesthetics, for a haunting. After opening in 1885, a few decades later, the Grey Lady made her first appearance. It all begins on a dreary gray winter morning in 1937 in Evansville, one of those old-fashioned Americana towns back in the times when the world was in sepia. The library custodian, approaches the dark, imposing building for an early day's work. It's 3 a.m., the witching hour. He hesitates briefly at the entrance, looking up at the library's towering facade. Is that a silhouette in the window? Was his mind playing tricks on him? He brushed it off and reached for the cold brass door handle. The turn of the key in the heavy doors makes a pronounced hollow clank that he hears echo within the building. There seems to be an extra chill in the air this morning, but again he shakes it off and steps inside the dark gaping maw of the library's lobby. How is it colder inside than out, he wonders. The tall, narrow angles of the space casts menacing shadows along the walls. As the man's eyes adjust to the dim light, he swears the shadows seem to retreat into the corners whenever he tries to focus on them, skittering away like insects from a light. 
He collects himself and steps forward. This was no time for silly mind games. He has work to do before the library opens. It was time for the first task of the day, lighting the furnace to heat the building, which of course is located in the basement. The man braces himself and grabs a flashlight to illuminate his descent down the pitch black stairwell. And as an aside to all the nerd friends out there who might be listening, yes, they had flashlights in 1930. No, I didn't know either. And of course it sent me on a detour from writing this story so I could read about the history of flashlights. So the flashlight was invented in 1899 by David Mizell from England. The original design housed batteries in a paper tube that acted as a handle and lit a small incandescent bulb. It was called a flashlight because it would flash on and off due to the inconsistent current of the batteries at the time. My apologies for getting off track for those not into flashlight history. So, the man braces himself and grabs a flashlight to illuminate his descent down the pitch black stairwell. The dim, warm light flickers as he descends further into the basement, step by step. Long shadows spill from the banisters onto the wood-paneled wall. He keeps his gaze upon his feet, careful to mind his step, lest he go stumbling into the library's abyss, step by step. He notices a peculiar scent in the air. Lilac? Or perhaps lavender? His senses are hyper-aware now, overwhelmed with the floral perfume, and walking into a sudden brisk chill that causes his breath to come out like fog. He picks up his pace, eager to get to the furnace and move on with the day. Step by step. Nearing the basement floor now, he nearly bumps into a figure of a woman wearing a long dress standing, or is she floating on the stairwell? He looks up slowly, his flashlight trembling and flickering, and seemingly shining through her. As his gaze meets her face, he sees that it's covered in a gray veil. The woman vanishes, fading back into the darkness of the basement. This was the first known sighting of the Grey Lady, but certainly not the last. There have been sightings of the Grey Lady for decades from employees and patrons alike. Willard Library is often featured as one of the most haunted libraries in the world, and has been a site for numerous paranormal investigations. Though the Grey Lady is the most common apparition in the library, there have been several sightings of different ghostly figures, as well as an assortment of paranormal activities such as books flying off shelves, water faucets and lights being turned on and off by themselves, cold spots, and failing electrical equipment. There are even ghost cams! showing the library's haunted hotspots, where you can watch spooky activity 24 hours a day. You just search for the Willard Library ghost cam and you can see it for yourself, and I'll also post notes in the, I'll also post links in the show notes. And what better time than now to become a virtual ghost hunter? And now here to give us the inside spook on these ghastly tales, the director of Willard Library, Greg Hager. So I'm speaking with Greg Hager, the director, or sorry, actually, let me back up. Their actual title is the director for Willard Library. Is that right? Or? Director, well, yes. Okay. Yeah, they, they couldn't fit uh, Supreme Power, powerful <laughs> Master of All Space and Dimension on a business card. So just <laughs> right, right. I am speaking with Greg Hager, the director of the Willard Library. I started out the podcast with just talking about 
like a real brief history of the library. And then also I started with the story of the very first sighting with the custodian Great. in 1937. 1937, and, yes, yeah. Um, so if you just wanna, I guess, just give a real brief introduction of the library and then um, when you started there. Okay, um, Willard Library is the oldest public library building in the state of Indiana. And it's a, it's a beautiful building. It's a, it's a Victorian Gothic architecture today still has that same that same look i think that i think that lends to its air of mystery i mean it looks like it should be a haunted place um, mm -hmm. but it, it actually is a a very modern uh public library um it was established by a man named willard carpenter um and you'll note that that willard it's it's willard library um his last name is carpenter it's not the carpenter library mm -hmm. um he was a really strange guy. He was just quirky. Um, a very successful businessman. Um, he came to Evansville to be a dry goods merchant, um, but made his money through shady real estate deals and land speculation, um, like mm -hmm. any good billionaire of that time. Mm -hmm. um, when he decided that he wanted to create something for the community, his first thought was to create a college for, for women, actually. And okay. he wanted to locate it on um, a hill that's in Evansville. It's one, one of the very few hills in the area. <laughs> and it was called Coal Mine Hill. And he had land out there. And he just didn't have enough money to adequately endow a college. And when he talked to his, his buddies, uh, they told him, you know what? There's a college on every corner in the state. We, we don't need a, another college, but what we do need is... A public library. We don't have any public libraries in Evansville. Mm. And so he thought about that. Willard Carpenter just kind of ruminated on that and decided that that would be a good use of, of his dollars. And so he, he set aside the money and they began to build. And all of a sudden there was a national depression. There was a, an economic mm. depression. So they kind of halted the, the, the building and they waited until a more prosperous condition of the public purse became available. And then they resumed construction. Willard Carpenter was there every day on the job site. He could be seen carrying brick and mortar up and down the scaffolding. He was 79 years old. Wow. He probably should not have been doing that. <laughs> That's um, pretty and, dedicated though. Very dedicated. <laughs> Unfortunately, he, uh, the end of October, early November of 1883, he suffered a massive stroke. Mm. And he, he died. His stroke was blamed by some of his relatives as he was working at the library and, you know, doing stuff that he, a man of his age, really shouldn't have been doing. So he never got to see his library open to the public. But one of the things that he spent, many, he specified many things in what he wanted his library to do and be. Number one, it was to be a public library. It was to be for everybody. And when he meant everybody, he meant everybody. It was mm -hmm. open to people of all races, classes, genders, ethnicity, background. He, I mean, it, he covered it all. It was open to everybody. And in 1885, in the mm -hmm. library world, that was nearly unheard of. Mm -hmm. It was like, <gasps> shocking. Mm -hmm. Everybody can come to this place. And I love that aspect about Willard Library. I love being able to say in 1885, everybody could come here. In 1885, everybody can come here. Not in 19, you know, 
whatever. Not in 1972, everybody could finally come here. No, it was always that way. So that's, I mean, that's, that's the really best part, I think, of the Willard Library story is that we were open to everybody. Yeah, that's so incredible. That's kind of the background mm-hmm. of, of Willard Carpenter. I mean, he was, um, like I said, he was a strange guy. He was a millionaire. He really didn't take on airs. He, he, he had two suits to his name, I think. Mm-hmm. He, people could see him. He was a cigarette or a cigar smoker. I'm sorry, cigar smoker. And he would, he would save his used cigars in a, in, a, in a coffee can by his bed and get them out later to chew on. He was just, I mean, some people would say he was eccentric. Probably if he was not as wealthy, he would have been just crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so right. there are just lots of stories about Willard Carpenter and his frugality, his very much Vermont uh, inspired frugality, his, <laughs> his, his Yankee roots, I guess, if you will. So the great lady came later. There weren't stories about the great lady until February of 1937. Okay. And the first sighting of the great lady happened in February in the winter. Uh, and it was the custodian's job to come into the library every day early, very early in the morning, 3 a.m., to kind of stoke the, the coal-fired furnace and get the building up to temperature for the day. So he had come into the building. He went downstairs into the basement. And a Victorian building, like red brick, it was dark, not extremely hospitable area. It doesn't look anything like our basement of today. I mean, we've remodeled the basement. It doesn't look like anything like what it used to look like. So he came in, he had his flashlight with him because it was dark. And as he approached the furnace, he encountered what he would describe as a woman in Victorian clothing, uh, lace-up style shoes. And, and she had a, he, he, he would say a, a, a gauzy material over her face, like a veil. Mm. So he couldn't really see her features, but he could see that it was a woman. And he thought that she had like got like broken in. I mean, he was alarmed and thought this was a real person until he realized that the beam of his flashlight was passing through her and illuminating the furnace that he was there to stoke. And he ran from the basement. Um, (laughs) He is the only employee of the library to ever cite as his reason for leaving the employment of the library for seeing the ghost. And, and like he had multiple encounters with her. In the words of, of 1937, shortly after seeing her, he uh, took to drink. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so people didn't really believe him when he was telling these stories. I mean, they just thought he was just some crazy drunk guy telling, telling weird stories. But So uh, he had multiple sightings, you said? He did. He had multiple oh, wow. sightings. Okay. And, and finally, he just had, he had enough and just said, I can't, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> and quit his job wow. um, and and is the only employee as far as I know the only employee to ever like say I can't work here because I keep seeing this ghost <laughs> wow yeah That's... yeah it's kind of fun you knew about the haunting or you, you heard about the ghost like before you even started working there or oh my gosh okay so so when I I came to Evansville multiple times I was I, I was actually I was working at a library in in Michigan mm, okay and I had friends who lived in Evansville, good friends from graduate school who lived at, here in Evansville. And I would come to visit a lot of people who live in Evansville when guests come to town, because Willard is so historic and it doesn't cost anything to come here mm-hmm. and it's kind of a cool place. 
Willard was one of the first places that they took me to. I came to visit and they were like, let's, you know, let's go do some stuff. You know, let's go to Willard Library. I'm like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm a librarian. I'm up for, I'm up for any kind of good library. And it was amazing. <laughs> it was like such a cool place, but I had no idea. I mean, they didn't, they didn't say anything about the ghost. I didn't, when I visited Willard for the, for the first time with my friends, nobody said anything about the ghost. Mm. It wasn't until I had, I interviewed for the adult services librarian's job at Willard Library and I accepted, I, I was offered the job pretty quickly mm-hmm. after my interview. And uh, a friend of mine in Michigan said, oh, is that the Haunted Library? <laughs> he had heard of it, but I had not. I was like, uh, maybe. <laughs> and I had, to, I had to like dig around and find out and it was, it was a haunted library. I had no idea. Uh, it, I, I mean, I would have taken the job anyway. Mm-hmm. And if somebody had told me when I was in library school that I would become a PR person for a ghost, <laughs> I would have told them they were crazy. But uh, here we are. And mm-hmm. uh, so, yeah, I didn't really, I didn't really have understand the legend, and some of that had been downplayed over over the years. Um, oh, okay. There, there, yeah, there were some, there were some like bad episodes of loss in Evansville, most particularly a. Uh, Evansville lost their entire basketball team in a plane accident one year. And there was, there was some, some loss associated with that. And I think people, um, there was another plane crash, um, a national guard, I think craft crashed and, and lives were lost there. I think, I think people were just feeling very sensitive about death and dying, uh, right. for, for some years in Evansville. Mm-hmm. And, and it was certainly, I mean, tragic, you know, horrible, horrible losses. So even was the great lady was, you know, every once in a while, there'd be a story in the newspaper, you know, they'd run a little picture or something, you know, about the possible ghost or what have you. Mm -hmm. Um, And it it wasn't really until the internet that the great lady became the world's most famous library ghost. Right. Yeah. And I, you guys have a webcam, right? Or a couple webcams that are just live streaming. We, we had six at one point. Um, We've lost, we've lost three of them um, temporarily. We do have we do have three webcams throughout the building that people can you know look for the look for the ghost. And I thought that was such a cool feature when I was looking at it. Four hours a day, seven days a week, and people watch at all hours, day and night. Oh, it's wow. pretty it's pretty fascinating. We are huge in South Korea. Really? Yes. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, NBC uh, South Korea sent a a news team here to film essentially and interview me. And it was really cool. And I was, and I asked them, I said, are you, are you, I didn't, I mean, I don't know what language was going to be broadcast and mm-hmm. they would dub my voice. And I really wanted to hear what my voice sounded like <laughs> in Korea. Like what, what voice would they use? So when right. they would sound like me, I really wanted to hear that. And I never saw the clip. I never got to see it. They never said it. Oh. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, we're, yeah, it's all over the world. I mean, if, when, when we look at, at the metrics, I mean, you know, somebody from, you know, Uzbekistan is streaming in, their chances are they're looking at, at our webcams, <laughs> looking for the ghosts. And do people ever like send in, I don't know, messages about like about seeing something on the webcam? Oh yeah, all, all, all the time. Yeah, there's, oh, wow. there, I mean, there's the ability to capture an image. So if, if somebody sees something on the webcam, they can, mm-hmm. they can record it and send it in. There have been some really really great pictures. I, I, I saw one <laughs> that was, I'm going to say it was two years ago now, just barely two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, it was a date in August, I want to say, 
the staff was leaving the building. It was, first of all, we had had weird stuff happening all day long that day. The power was flickering. Our elevator stopped working. Like I took the elevator to the basement to get a power cord, a patch cord for a projector because there was a group in the bedroom whose video feed had just gone out. They were they were viewing something about a, a 5K race that they were getting ready to have from Shriners Hospital and their stuff stopped working. And I was called in to help, even though it wasn't our equipment, it was their equipment. I'm like, you know, maybe we have something that works. I took the elevator down to the basement. I grabbed this cable. I came back to the elevator, only 30 seconds. Came back to the elevator and it was not working. Just stopped. Oh. So I go upstairs, all the way up, up the stairs to the second floor of the library and try to get their video stuff to work. It doesn't work. No matter what I do, nothing works. And I just, I have to apologize. I'm, just, I'm sorry. It just doesn't seem to be working. I, I don't know why it's not working. It's not. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I go back downstairs and we continue to have weird power issues throughout the day. Our computer's going off, power, power's flickering. And that, that happens every once in a while. Like it, it's just the power grid. Mm-hmm. So uh, 5.30 rolls around. I go home for the night, but the library's still open until 8 o'clock. The procedures are, you know, basically a skeleton crew in the building about, you know, four staff members are still there at eight o'clock. They close up all at the same time and they group together and go out the door together and they set an alarm, you know, an entry alarm so that, you know, people can't break in. And a person on the second floor, a veteran staff member, did all the closing procedures. The staff left, they set the alarm. When they set the alarm, it, it sends a information to the alarm company. So I know exactly when that alarm was set. Mm-hmm. So they get outside and they look up and realize that all the lights are on on the second floor. And the veteran staff member says, pretty sure I turned all those lights off. So he and another staff member go back inside. He goes upstairs, returns off the lights, back downstairs. They reset the alarm. So I, I see a different timestamp now. They go out the door. About two minutes after they leave with the alarm set, Somebody on the webcam captures a perfect image of a female figure on the stairway. It's oh, a, wow. it's, it, I mean, it, it is, it is a stunning picture and it's, it should be available on the website. People should be able to go and see it. Okay. It was, I, I'll just pull the picture up and, and, and say to my friends, what does this look like? And every one of them says it's, it's a, it's a shadow of a woman. The staff member who went to turn the lights off was a man Mm. and looks like a man. So it's not him. And I know that the alarm was set and not tripped. So I know that it wasn't somebody inside the building because if somebody was inside the building and moving around, the alarm was would trigger. It's just kind of weird. Yeah. That's pretty incredible. I have to look up that picture. Yeah. It's a cool picture. Would you say, I don't know, it's an unfriendly presence or is it, Friendly or what is kind of the, the vibe of the gray lady? Okay. So, so people can't even agree that it's just one entity. Okay. I mean, some people, uh, there have been paranormal investigators that have come here and said there could be up to nine, eight or nine different entities. Oh, okay. Cam watchers have said woman, an older man, children, younger man. Uh, some people have even said there's a cat. In fact, some people have even suggested that They've talked about the famous ghost cat of Willard Library. I have never heard of that. I, 
I, I, the first time I saw that on, online, I was like, I don't know about any kind of ghost cat. <laughs> I don't. But I, I don't know of anybody that has said that the encounter was like scary. Yeah. There have been people that have said their encounter when they've seen the gray lady, they were afraid. They felt fear, maybe not so much from seeing her, but having an encounter that they couldn't explain other than they've seen a ghost. Right. A, a children's librarian, probably the most famous children's librarian for Willard Library. Um, she was here for so many years. She came to regard the gray lady as a friend. She had so many encounters and she'd be just nonchalant about you know seeing the ghost. Mm-hmm. Now, her coworker who worked with her in the children's department, her assistant librarian, did not feel that way. You know, was not happy about seeing the ghost, but she had encounters as well. And, you know, frequently saw her. Uh, in the children's department, yeah, didn't feel good about that. But generally, uh, I would say that people describe the gray lady as being kind of a prankster. Things with lights and power and water, like she likes to turn on faucets. We've had reports of people hearing a typewriter from a corner area of our second floor. Not like an electric type, like a manual typewriter, the clack, 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 clack oh. of a typewriter. Mm-hmm. And... We don't have a manual type. We do have a manual typewriter now because it was donated to us, but it's on the first floor and, and it's like a display item. But mm-hmm. hearing hearing the sound of a manual typewriter clacking on the second floor, and not only is there not anybody there, there's no desk there, there's a person there, has happened before. So just like audible things, every once in a while there's a physical uh, presence where mm-hmm. you, you get touched. Um, women have reported earrings particularly earrings being fondled like especially long daggly earrings and reports of hair being kind of brushed back even in order to gain access to long daggly earrings Hmm. uh, to be touched people feeling poked and particularly in the basements not really being pushed on the stairs but somebody like like pressing against you on the stairs like kind of kind of touching you on the stairs but not not really like trying to harm you but just like touching you often the gray lady is accompanied by reportedly a very very strong very cheap smelling perfume i'm going back to the children's librarian that was i think i read a story online um something about there being a renovation and during the renovation something followed her home yes yes the gray lady followed her to her house oh gosh where she lived (laughs) she lived with her sister Okay, so she and her sister lived in, in this in this home. They had a couple of experiences, and she recounted those experiences to her nephew Tom. Mm-hmm. When you know, she said, "I think the great lady came came home home with us." <laughs> so he immediately came to Evansville because he was worried about their health, mm. their mental health, I think, in particular. Mm-hmm. And so he he is there in their kitchen. And I think he was making a salad, I believe. Um, so he was cutting vegetables and preparing a salad. And he was talking to his aunt, mm-hmm. like she was behind him. And he was just kind of conversing. And his aunt walked into the kitchen and said, who are you talking to? Oh, gosh. And he said, I, I thought I was talking to you. <laughs> and he, because he, he turned around and was like, surprise. Oh, my gosh. You know, I, I thought I was talking to you. And both of them witnessed the swirl of a long skirt or dress and high top Victorian lady shoes 
going up the stairs of their house. And Tom became a believer that day. So at the end of the, the renovation of the children's department, when it was all pretty much as you see it today, uh, Miss Margaret, the children's librarian, Miss Margaret went and stood in her kitchen and announced out loud, the construction's over, you could go home. <laughs> and as far as we know, the great lady did, and she's still here. I, I love how the, I don't know, like it's a Victorian building with a Victorian outfit and all of that. Sure. Yes. Some people, some people say the great lady is the daughter of Willard Carpenter. Louise, Louise, the youngest daughter, Louise, did mm -hmm. actually sue the library, turn of the century courtroom drama over her father's will because she, she felt like she didn't get her fair share. Her father made provisions for all of his family, but he left the bulk of his fortune to, to Willard Library to support the library going forward. Louise sued the library and she lost. So some people say because of that, Louise is the gray lady. We have a small portrait of Louise hanging on the wall. It's very small compared to a lot of other portraits of the family that we have. Ah, Louise was probably very much like her father, very stubborn, very hard-headed, too smart. And she married a man that her father didn't like. She didn't really like him much either. <laughs> <laughs> and Willard, Willard kept encouraging his daughter to divorce this man, whom he really didn't like. Mm-hmm. And she did, finally, after her father died. Could she be the great lady? She could. I, I mean, I've always asked any, any, any paranormal investigator we've ever had here, including really famous paranormal investigators, people you mm -hmm. see on TV have been here, tell us who she is. And they're like, that's a really hard one. <laughs> that's, that's like really hard for us to do. Mm. So nobody has ever actually said, yeah, it's Louise Carpenter. Nobody's ever said that. There have been psychics that have said... They've seen the library founder's daughter. I think that's probably as close as we've ever come to, you know, having a, a name associated with the great lady. Right. So hmm. I guess one of the other reports that I found interesting was that when books fall off the shelf. Yes. Are there any, are there any particular books that she, like, is it, does this happen in a particular area or does she have a favorite books that she likes to throw or? Okay. One of, one of the, well, I guess one of the most famous incidents happened in the children's department. Okay. When, when a, li a, a librarian was act actively like downplaying the legend of the ghost, there was, a, I guess there was a kid in there who was, had some trepidation about being in the library and, and the librarian was saying, you know, Hey, we haven't, we haven't seen her in a long time. Don't worry about anything. And a, a book that we now to keep this book kind of safe, we kind of keep it in our reference collection and we don't circulate it really. A book called Betsy's Wedding, right immediately after the librarian had said, we don't think she's here anymore. Betsy's Wedding, the book was tossed from the shelves, immediately tossed from the shelves. There was another incident uh, that happened during, during my tenure here. It, was, it happened in early September. I can't recall the year off the top of my head. Mm -hmm. But in, in those years, the library book sale happened on the first uh, Sunday in September. And it was right before that I was giving a, I was in the, I was downstairs in the basement and that's where the children's department is it's adjacent to uh, the basement area where we, we sort books for the book sale. Mm -hmm. I was down there to give a stand-up interview for a local news team about the library book sale. They were, so they were interviewing me and, and you know, we're only tape and I hear shrieking and screaming kind of from the coming from the children's department. I said, I'm sorry, time out. I've got to go check this out. <laughs> and right. when I got into the children's department, there was assistant librarian and a library assistant 
part-time library assistant were both in the children's room and it was kind of a slow day. It was, it was a, one of those late summer days kind of thing. And there weren't a whole lot of people in. And, and so the staff was in the process of what we call weeding or deselected material from the collection. Mm-hmm. And they had been taking material, putting books that to like go away, not circulated or whatever, old, falling apart. Um, they were putting those on, on carts and taking them to the desk that was pretty close by. And they had been working in this particular area. So the part-time library assistant went back to the area that they had been working in. So they, they, were, they were away for about 45 minutes and she went back to the, to the place where they were working and found every third or fourth book pulled out at a perfect angle over a whole, a whole alcove of books. I mean, it would have taken somebody many minutes to do that. Right. It, it, was, it was very methodical. And neither one of them had, had done that. But there, if, you, if you imagine a book sitting on a shelf, and if you just kind of pull it and let it, let it rest there, so mm-hmm. sticking out at an angle, that's what they encountered. That's what they saw. And oh, the library assistant, who was a non-believer, highly educated young woman, later went on to study museum studies, very serious, very studious, mm-hmm. freaked out. When I, when I saw her, when I went in, I saw her, she was shaking because nobody had come into the children's department. Nobody had left the children's department. And she had an experience that she couldn't rationally explain. And that's what led to the screaming and the upset. So because news crews being news people and knowing they have a potential story, they followed me into the children's department to find out what was going on. And they, they, had, they had a gray lady story happening in front of them. So they started recording. Later that evening, I got a call from the reporter and she said, you're not going to believe this. I said, what? Did I mess up? I mean, do we have to reshoot? She said, no, your, your stuff's fine. She said, but... After that, when we recorded the gray lady experience, it's gone. It's lost, which happens a lot. Recordings don't work. Batteries die. It's, it's a thing. I mean, I've seen it myself multiple times. If there are electronic things that you're relying on to do some kind of recording, especially in the basement, they often don't last. Hmm. So like, I guess the gray lady was feeling shy. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the um, layout. So the, the children's department is, is by the basement or the, is, it is it in the, the basement? In the basement. Yes. Oh, yeah. oh okay. And, and historically it has been, uh, I can't remember what year that it actually went in there, but it's, it's been there for many, many, many years. And okay. people often ask me, why is the children's department in the basement? Like because <laughs> kids are noisy and they can come down here and be kids and just, they can run around and make noise and have fun and, and it doesn't bother anybody else. It's awesome. I mean, mm-hmm. my office is literally directly over top of the story room where a lot of kids activities happen, or at least used to happen until we had a pandemic. And I, I love it. I mean, I, I can hear them singing or chanting or cheering or, or <laughs> just having fun. And it's, I'm the only person in the library that's, that can hear that. I don't mind it because I have kids. I have a lot of kids. So I'm good. <laughs> That's very cool. Have you personally ever seen The Great Lady? Okay, no. Um, okay. <laughs> anybody, anybody who works at Willard Library can tell you about strange energy days. Boy, have I seen a lot of strange energy days. Mm-hmm. Just days where, like I, I was describing earlier, where stuff just goes haywire. People are just weird. and Air feels heavy. And, and you just have to be here to, to experience it. It's just, mm-hmm. it's a thought. Anybody can tell you about that. 
I work with people that have seen the gray lady and I work with people who absolutely don't believe in the gray lady at all. I mean, all of us are really pretty comfortable talking about the legend of the gray lady, the stories behind it, the mythology behind it. Mm-hmm. I consider myself to be a non-believer, a skeptic, but I'm willing to keep an open mind. I mean, I don't necessarily believe that elves make cookies and trees. <laughs> right. But I'm willing to keep an open mind. Right. Mm-hmm. Is there any a favorite story or a favorite report that you have or the strangest I, report? I really love the story about Miss Margaret and the ghost following her home. And then she's telling the ghost, you can go back to your house and mm-hmm. you know, the ghost comes back. I do love that story. You know, gosh, I don't really, I don't really necessarily have a, a favorite story. Um, I do recall it was October 15th and it was my oldest son's birthday. So I had already gone home for the day, but the, the library was still open. Mm-hmm. I'll say it was a Monday or Tuesday night. And, the, you know, there I was, I was, I was hanging out with my, my little boy at the time and now he's almost 24. So it's, you know, I feel really old. <laughs> um, I got a call from people at work saying stuff is crazy down here. I'm like, what do you mean crazy? I mean, what is, what is that? What's that mean? <laughs> and they're like, you just, the power's going on and off and all our lights shut down. And then they came back on and they weren't at really adequately describing what was happening. So I was like, fine. I drove back to the library. Probably took me about 20 minutes to get there during on my son's birthday. Mm-hmm. So I got to the library and found that the power was not just off. It was chandeliers in, in the, on the first and second floor, particularly. Individual bulbs were going off and on. Oh. And they're all on the same circuit. So I, I didn't even have a, I couldn't even rationally explain why individual bulbs would be going on and off. And it did that for a bit. So I called the power company, you know, to see if there was some kind of issue mm-hmm. and we were their first report. It was only happening at Willard Library and the power company couldn't find any problem. There was no problem they could discover. So I kind of felt like the gray lady had reached out to me personally to interrupt my night <laughs> with, with, on my son's birthday right. to get my attention. I don't know. I just, I had no other explanation and, and, there has been no other explanation um, hmm. for, for that event. Yeah, those are a couple of my favorites. Yeah, I love how on the website and everything, it just it seems like the library really kind of embraces that, the legend and the history of it. And, th- and some of that's my philosophy. It's just like, look, this is part of who we are. And I don't know if it's real or not, but people are going to ask about it. People want to know about it. A, a huge number of people believe in ghosts and it's a fun legend. It doesn't have to be scary and it doesn't have to be right. silly. I want people to like coming to the library. I want people to enjoy coming to the library for whatever reason. So if, if you want to come to the library to find a ghost and you happen to find some books at the same time, or you happen to find some something that we actually would normally do, that's a good thing. We want people to have fun here. We're, we're here to be a fun, enjoyable place. And mm-hmm. that's what public libraries are supposed to do. So of course, we're going to talk about this ghost. Right. And if I had an opportunity, I would help other libraries write a grant to get a ghost. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> to start a ghost GoFundMe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, why not? I mean, do it. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, 
is there anything that you want to add like or like where um people can look up more information or i mean people are welcome to visit our website www.willard.live.in.us it's a little bit long but yeah we love for people to you know just check us out uh, if you google willard library gray lady you'll find hundreds of thousands of hits and uh there's information all over the place and if anybody has any questions they're always welcome to reach out to us to me or to email us at willard library we love having people here and I welcome everybody to come and visit, see us in person. We're open, typically open seven days a week and uh, we've been open for business even during the pandemic. Um, we were closed for a little bit, but we're, we're here and fully operational. And I love the concept of books in the wild. Uh, so I hope, you know, I hope this helps and, and uh, I think it's a, it's a cool thing you're doing. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was really good talking to you. It was nice <laughs> talking to you. Great seeing you. All right. Take Have care. Thank you. Bye. For more information on the Willard Library and the Gray Lady, you can visit willard.lib.in.us. And I will have links in the show notes as well. And I want to give a big thank you to Greg Hager for being so generous with this time. And if you would like to start a ghost to GoFundMe or a virtual ghost hunting team, feel free to reach out at booksinthewild.com or follow me on Instagram at booksinthewildpodcast. I'm Carrie Schroeder. I'm at coyotebonespress on Instagram or coyotebonespress.com. And again, thank you so much for listening. And I'm wishing you all safety and sanity during these crazy times.